Well, good morning. I'm glad you're here. Uh, today is such a good day to be alive and be a believer and be anything else you're doing this morning. It's a good day for it. So, I've got two Bibles today, so it's going to be extra good. Problem is, they're the same translation, so you know. <laughs> but one's one's New American Standard 1995 update, and the other one's just regular old New American Standard. So you know, there's a little bit of a diversity here. So if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn in that Bible to the book of John. We're going to go to chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, we'd be happy to uh, put the scriptures on the screen so you can read them. But it is always good for those of you that call this church your home, for those of you that come here every Sunday, perhaps every Wednesday, bring a Bible. It's a really good idea. It's really good. You can see it. You can know it. If you're anything like me, I've got, I've got about three Bibles I use all the time. <laughs> I should stick to one. I've got about three I use all the time. And sometimes you know, have you ever gotten to it where you know where a verse is? You don't know the reference, you just know where it is in the Bible. You know, it's like top right corner, right by the wrinkle, I know where that is. That's a good sign. It means you've been reading the Bible and not just quoting memory verses. So this is a good thing. Uh, but it is good to know the reference because every now and then you have to talk to somebody else and tell them, you know, they're not going to really understand. It's on the right corner, right where the coffee stain was, um, where you normally put your ribbon. You know where that is? No, I don't know where that is. So in John chapter 10, I love the book of John. And I love it because, I mean, I love every book in this book, but... I love the book of John, particularly, uh, not more than any other. It's like having a favorite kid. It's not a favorite, you know. But I do like the book of John because we see Jesus speaking very plainly. Um, throughout the first half, he speaks very plainly to uh, the Jewish people, to the people he's called to. Uh, through the last half of the book of John, he speaks very plainly to his disciples. Most of the book of John, a big chunk of it at least, is written... Uh, or was, sorry, not written, but is Jesus speaking in the last couple weeks of his life. So you really see some really, um, some deep and some lasting truths uh, that were meant to sustain the church for the rest of the time. But in John 10, he's not just talking to the church. In John 10, he's also speaking uh, just to the Jewish people that he's sent to. So some of them believe and some of them don't. He's got a group of people... If we read to the end of the chapter, which we won't this morning, he's got a group of people that say uh, he's insane and he has a demon. We read in John 8 on Wednesday night, uh, they said he has a demon. His mom is a, is a, how do we put this nicely, not a nice, not, not, a, not a moral woman. And uh, he, you know, he doesn't have a daddy and, and he's, in, he's got a demon and he's a Samaritan, which of course is... Stepping on all sorts of toes. So they, they've got all their insults for him. Some really did believe he must be insane. And, and, and in truth, if you don't believe somebody's the Son of God and they say they're the Son of God, they would be insane or just a really, really, really big liar. So if you didn't really believe him for what he said, I, I think insane would be the next step. But of course, Jesus didn't just say he was the Son of God. He proved it over and over again. And so those that didn't believe, didn't just not believe in his word. They didn't believe what they saw with their own eyes. Their hearts were hardened. So 
that, that is a real object lesson of what happens when a man's heart becomes hardened. You can see something with your own eyes and still not believe it. And so John chapter 10, there are those that believe in him and there are those that don't. But he speaks to them this way in verse 1. He says, truly, truly, I say to you. Now every time we see truly, truly in the, in the Gospels, what he's really saying is literally, amen, amen, I say to you. Which And, and, and the funny thing is, it, it's not just that Jesus said, amen, amen, and they translate it truly in Greek. Even in the Greek New Testament, it still says amen. Because that is, when, when someone would say amen, amen, twice like that, it really accentuated, it wasn't just true. He's saying this is the word of God. This is, this is not just true, this is the truth. So he says, I mean, this is when you really need to listen. When someone says, Amen, Amen, I say to you, then you really need to be paying attention. He says, He who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep. We all know the fold is where you keep the sheep. He says, The, the one that doesn't enter by the door, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. So there are those that come in the door and there are those that have come in another way, have tried to sneak and trick you. And you realize that when Jesus is talking, there have been many messiahs. He was not the first one to come along and say, I'm the messiah. He wasn't even the first one to come along and say, I'm the son of God. But he's the only one who really was. He says, everybody else has come to you by another way. Anybody else that's tried to lead you astray, any other voice that's tried to take you down the wrong road, they've all been a thief and a robber. He says this, but he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To hear to him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So, we're going to see in a moment that he calls himself the good shepherd, right? He says, I am the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. And watch how he treats us. He comes in the door. And, and now we've been put in the fold of the sheep, right? Once you've received the shepherd, once you've believed in Jesus, you became one of those sheep that was in the fold. Now you say, did I become a sheep? What was I before I was a sheep? No, no. You were always a sheep. I know you wish you were a tiger or something, but you were always a sheep. In this analogy, at least, you can't just change what you were. You were always a sheep, but now you're a sheep that's in the fold. What's outside the fold? There's wolves, there's robbers, there's all these other things. And he says, now, now, think about this. In the same way, he's speaking to the Jewish people who have been his people that he shepherded for, for, for centuries. So he's not just talking to the world, he's talking to them. And he's saying, listen, here I am, the good shepherd has come in by the door. I didn't sneak up on a, a different way, I didn't come in a back route. I came here and I spoke to you and I called you by name. And he says he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Isn't that a big thought? His sheep follow Him. Now we wonder why we follow Jesus. How do you follow Jesus? How do you know you're following Jesus? I mean, there's a lot of things in the world today, even in the church today, that are really cool and, and, and they would inspire you to be, to be a follower. They'd inspire you to go somewhere. But here's the test. Here's really how we know we're following Jesus. You have to know His voice. There's really no other way around it. There's not a special robe He wears. There's, I mean, well... 
maybe there is, but not in this story. There's not, there's not, uh, my, he doesn't say my sheep follow me um, because if they don't, I come back and spank them. He says, I, he doesn't say my sheep follow me because I'm the only one wearing a blue windbreaker. He says, my sheep follow me. And you're going, there are no blue windbreakers in Bible times. But you weren't there, so you don't know. <laughs> he says, my sheep follow me because they know my voice. He says, the sheep follow him because they know his voice. I've used this illustration before, but I'll use it again. Um, as, as hard as you tried, if you wanted to pull a prank on me, and you said, how should we pull a prank? Jared, Jared says, I want to pull a prank. I want to pull a prank on Pastor Jonathan. Here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to call him and pretend I'm Tia, his lovely wife. And I'm going to pretend that Tia, who's pregnant, has strange cravings every now and then, wants 10 cheeseburgers from A&W. This is something she's never asked for, by the way. <laughs> not, to say she, not to say pregnant women don't ask for some funny things. But I want 10 cheeseburgers, cheeseburgers from A&W with french fries stuffed in them and uh, extra salad dressing or something like that. And he calls me. He goes, hi, hi, Jonathan, this is Tia. Would you pick up 10 cheeseburgers for me? He wouldn't fool me, not for a second. <laughs> and it's not that he's bad at it. It wouldn't even be that he's a guy. He could say, okay, that didn't work. I'm going to get one of my friends. Now, she's a girl about the same age as Tia. They kind of have the same voice. I'm going to get her to call. Still wouldn't work. As far as human beings go, she is the hardest person for you to trick me with because I know her voice better than any other human on the planet. And you can't fool me on that one. But the reason, the way I know her voice is, and I've said this before, I didn't go around talking to every other girl and go, can I hear you say something? Can, say, say I want 10 cheeseburgers. I want 10 cheeseburgers? No, okay, I got that, I logged that. So if you call, I'm going to know not to listen to that voice. Okay, now I'm going to go over here. Now you say it. I want 10 cheeseburgers. Okay, I know, I know that voice now. I'm not going to listen to that. You'd never exhaust all your... You'd forget it. You can't go through life finding out who doesn't sound... I mean, who's, I, mean I, should, I should figure out what your voice sounds like so I never listen to you if you pretend to be my wife. Now, the best thing to do is to learn your wife's voice. Then you can't be fooled. Right? I mean, that's... You, you don't have to go and find out what everybody else says. You just need to find out what the true voice is. And then everything else filters out. You see, you can, go to, you can go to the Christian bookstore and say, give me every book you have on every cult there is. I want to learn them all so I'm not tricked. Well, you know, I, I don't mind. There, there's some books there. Sometimes it's good to know uh, what's going on. Sometimes you may have a friend who's, who's uh, gotten into something weird and you want to help them. I understand that. But you can't go and try to figure out every weird little cult, every little weird little side trail to stay away from. Because you'll just, you'll just, those will be all the voices you're listening to. The best way to know that you're following Jesus is to spend the time with him so that you learn how to hear his voice. So that you know his voice. Because then a stranger comes and you know that's not the right voice. When Jesus, I mean, listen, we know his voice from his word. I mean, this is his word, right? So when you're reading the Word, when you're spending time with Him, you begin to learn His accent. You begin to learn what He sounds like. You begin to learn the kind of things that He would say. Have you ever been in a meeting and somebody got up and prophesied and, and 
it obviously wasn't a prophecy. It obviously was just something they were saying. But you instantly knew that. Now, I'm not talking about just being so cynical that you automatically assume it's not God. And, and, and anytime anybody says anything, you go, not God, not God, not God. Because that's easy to do. But I'm talking about you've heard the real voice of God and then somebody gets up and says something that's not of God and you know it. You know it right here. Why? Because you know the voice of the shepherd. You don't have to know whose voice it is that's trying to copy the shepherd. You don't have to know their name. You don't have to know anything. You just have to know the voice of the shepherd because that's how you follow him. There's really no other way. In order to follow the shepherd, you have to learn his voice. There's, there's no way around there. There's no shortcut. There's no secret. You have to know His voice. Now, you can come to a, a church like this and, and you can kind of learn some things from other people and, and they'll tell you what the shepherd has told them and they'll, they'll help you hear the voice of the shepherd. And even times, there are, there are some times where a sheep looks just at the, the furry butt in front of them and follows it, you know? And sometimes you just follow the tail in front of you but you better know that the tail you're following is hearing the voice of the shepherd. And it's, that's only going to last for so long. Before long, you've got to learn the voice yourself. There are times where, you know, like the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, where you go, I know they hear the voice of the shepherd, and I'm still learning, so I'm going to follow them a little bit while still listening myself for the voice. But you're going to have to graduate to the point where you know his voice yourself. Or you'll be led astray by some fancily dressed shepherd or sheep that, that says, no, 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 I got, I got another way. Sure, the shepherd talks to me. The shepherd talks to me all the time. But the shepherd tells me secret stuff that you don't know. The shepherd's been telling me stuff because we're in a special group of sheep. And the shepherd's been telling me about a back way that we get to go and no one else gets to go. And you go, oh, that sounds good. And they seem spiritual. And you know what? They've never been wrong before. So I'm following them. And you go astray. My sheep hear my voice. In fact, we'll read that in a minute. Because as, as of now, he's not saying my sheep. He's just saying the sheep hear the voice of the shepherd. And they follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. That's why you follow. Now you can follow for a lot of other reasons. Or think you're following for a lot of other reasons. But the only real way to follow Jesus is to know his voice. He says this. A stranger, they simply... Don't you love that? He says simply. Like, there's just no way. A, strangely, a stranger, they simply will not follow. I like the way he puts that. Like, there's no chance it would ever happen. He goes, a stranger, they simply will not follow a stranger. Will not. Not most of the time they don't. They never follow a stranger. Why? But they will flee from him... Because they do not know the voice of strangers. Now, how do you think these shepherds figured out the... Or sorry, sheep figured out the voice of the shepherd? How'd they learn the voice? Did they take a class? These are sheep we're talking about. These are not people. Although you, now I'm confusing you because you're going, but we're sheep and we're people. But think about it. How does a sheep learn the voice of the shepherd? Just by being around them, right? I mean, just hearing them and, and learning. Every time he talks, he sounds like this. So I know this is what he is. But think about it. If they spent more time with another shepherd, who would they follow? If they spent more time listening to other shepherds, listening to other voices, they'd know that voice better than the voice of the shepherd. 
We live in an interesting time, guys. We live in a wonderful time because, think about it, the gospel can be spread in seconds. It can go across the world. Do you, ever, do you ever think about how in the book of Revelation it talks about this moment when the two witnesses that God sends to, to uh, you know, give, give a last chance to many people and do signs and wonders and, and, and you know, spread, spread the word, and tell people to repent, tell them about the gospel. When these two witnesses come and they're killed, it says the whole world will see them die or the whole world will see that they're dead. And, and before television, before the internet, we'd wonder, how's that ever going to happen? But now we go, oh, this, this is how it's going to happen. It's an exciting time to be alive. But it's also a time where you really have to guard yourself. Because entertainment is, is such a thief of our time. I mean, we are so addicted to being entertained. It is insane. I, there are, guys, I mean, I'm 28 now. And I, I am regularly confronted with people I, I knew when they were younger, I grew up with. And it's like, we're Peter Pans now that just never want to grow up, you know? Spend 11 hours a day playing Xbox. Something's wrong here. I mean, you could get that thing out every now and then, but come on. And in my own life lately, T and I have been talking about this. I said, we, we, we are too addicted to entertainment. We're just, and I'm talking about us. I'm saying the amount of times that TV, which we don't even have any TV channels or cable or anything, but, but you watch stuff on the computer or you're on the Internet. I love the Internet, but I've got to get off of it more often <laughs> because the voices you're constantly hearing are the voices you'll follow. So you think about it. If you're spending more time listening to other voices than you are in the Word, in prayer, that's the voice you'll know best. And you may believe Jesus' voice, and you may believe that He is the shepherd, but if you won't spend the time listening to His voice more than you spend the time on TV, movies, internet, then we're going to have a, a situation where you're hearing more, one voice more than the other voice, and that becomes your shepherd. That becomes the stranger that leads you astray because you know it so well. He says, a stranger they simply will not follow. And the reason they won't follow the stranger is because they do not know the voice of strangers. Now, I'm not telling you to go throw your TV out the window. If God told you to do it, you do that. I'm not telling you to never see a movie again. I'm telling you we need to, to make some adjustments and spend the time with the shepherd that is required to know his voice, to really love his presence more than we love anything else. More than we love to be entertained. More than we love to laugh. You can laugh in His presence and it's probably the best, richest laugh you'll ever have. But here's the reason. is because they don't know the voice of strangers. That's why they don't follow. And I want to get to the place where I can say, I don't know the voice of strangers. You know, there's a lot of... You know, I, when I grew up, it was always like everybody's parents had a different standard well, I'm allowed to see PG movies. I'm not allowed to see PG-13. Oh, I can see R-rated movies. And we always kind of went by the MPAA rating system, right? Whatever it was rated. You know, the funny thing is, there are G movies, rated G, that you shouldn't watch. Because if all you're looking for is violence, sex, and, and, and language, you're looking for the wrong things. Do you know, if, if somebody came to you and lied to you, about who God was, about who you were. It, did, it doesn't matter if they swear when they say it. It still could be wrong. 
And so, um, you know, a monkey can grade movies based on those things, but it takes a believer to understand this is, this is training me to be like the world or this is training me to be like Jesus. So, like I said, I'm not telling you never to watch a movie again. I'm saying you have to be discerning. Don't just, just say, well, the MPAA says it's okay, so why not? You don't know who those guys are. Listen to the voice of the shepherd. And hey, it may be embarrassing, but if the voice of the shepherd says, turn it off or get up or go somewhere else, do that. Because that's the shepherd. And you don't want to get to the point where you know the other voice is better than you know your own shepherd's voice. So he says, a stranger, they simply will not follow. That's why somebody that loves the Word of God, someone loves the presence of God, I'm not worried about them getting led astray. I'm absolutely not worried about somebody that really loves God and is hungry for Him. Because you know those people, they'll spend enough time with Jesus that they hear His voice and they, you know, a stranger comes and you don't have to tell them every possible thing that could go wrong. You don't have to sit, you don't have to go over to their house and say, listen, if somebody comes to your door and says this, don't listen. If somebody comes to your door and says this, don't listen. If somebody gives you a book that says this, don't listen. You don't have to go through all that. You have to go through that sometimes when somebody's just starting out, when somebody's fresh, when they're new. But if they started to spend some time with the, the shepherd and get to know him, I'm not worried. Because it says a stranger's voice, they simply will not follow because they don't know that voice. That's not a voice they listen to. It's not a voice they pay attention to. It's just another voice. All right. He says, and, and listen, I don't want to skip over the fact that he says they flee from the strangers. That's another point for another time. But he says a stranger they don't just not listen to. They flee from it. They go the other direction. Verse 6, this figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. If any preacher comes to you and doesn't come through Jesus, doesn't come on the foundation of Christ, preaches something other than Jesus Christ, he's going in the wrong way. He's a thief and a robber. Don't listen. If any preacher comes to you and preaches themselves more than they preach Jesus, a thief and a robber, don't listen to him. You always have a choice. And I know this because I'm not that old, but I've been preaching for quite a few years and I know what it's like to, to know I, every, every time you get up, you have a choice. Do I want people to fall in love with me or fall in love with Jesus? And I mean it's a choice. You know why? Because you can say things that people will like and they'll begin to like you. And maybe they'll follow you for a time. But if that's what you're doing, you're a thief and a robber. And so we get up and we preach Jesus. And it's way better to do that anyway. It's way more fun. I love it a lot more when we preach Jesus. He's the door. And he says, anybody that comes to talk to you, anybody that you have to listen to, any voice in your life that's trying to lead you somewhere, they have to come through the door. He says, I'm the door. So if they come to you, and they're, they're coming to you in the name of Jesus and everything they say lines up with the chief shepherd, then it's all good. Anybody comes another way, thief and a robber, don't listen. He says, all who came before me, in other words, everybody who came before me, called themselves the Messiah, said, follow me, I know the way. He said, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. Well, what's pasture? 
That's where you eat. That's where you rest. That's where you get your nourishment. I mean, He takes you in and out. We'll read Psalm 23 in a moment, but I know a lot of you, even right now, you're thinking, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall... You're thinking about what that says. We'll go there in a second. He says, they go in and out and find pasture. He goes, the thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, have it overflowing, have it really, really full, but more than full. Abundantly is always more than full. Abundantly means you have more than you have room for. He says, I am the good shepherd. Now that's... There's a, there's a cornerstone of theology. There's a cornerstone of your life. If you can always remember, he said, I am the good shepherd. He's the good one. He's always good. He's always been the good shepherd. He always will be the good shepherd. And everything he does is good. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Now think about this, guys. Here's what's going to happen. He's preparing them. If you read to the end of it, he's preparing them for when he's going to go and he's going to lay down his life. He's preparing them. He, even in this chapter, talks about his death and his resurrection. And the, the difference between a lot of the people that came before is they came when it was convenient. A lot of the preachers, a lot of the, the charismatic leaders that had come before Jesus that led a lot of people to them. When I say charismatic, I mean like personable. People liked them. I don't mean, uh, you know, healing people and all that. I, I mean that they were charismatic in the sense that people followed them. And a lot of those leaders came and went. But you know when it got hard, they ran away. That was the ultimate test of the disciples, the apostles. I mean, this was the thing that proved they were who they were. I, everybody else, if we're going to make a scam religion, we are going to make our own rules. We're going to make this convenient. If we're going to make a scam religion, we're going to make it so that, uh, you know, we're going to have chicken nuggets for communion. <laughs> They're a holy sacrament. Uh... We're, we're going to make, uh, yeah, well, football Sundays are important, so we're going to do that. You know, I mean, this is not a convenient thing that the apostles got into. When they saw Jesus die, they were sad. When they saw Him resurrected, they were filled with something. When He gave His Spirit to them, and they waited on that Holy Spirit, and then were filled with it, something happened to them. So that when the, when the folks came to put them to death, when they came to be tortured, when they came to be beaten, they didn't run away. They stuck it out. They did not deny what they believed because they knew it was real. So Jesus had a lot of people that came before him and the difference is he's going to die. But he's going to lay his life down. No one's going to take it from him. He's going to lay it down. And he's going to pick it up again, he says. But, but there have been people who come before. There have been plenty of messiahs that came before. And as long as people were following them, they were doing their thing. But as soon as things got hard and the Romans came and broke it up and I mean they all fled separate directions he says this is how you know a real shepherd a good shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep in the New Testament um, pastors really are just referred to as shepherds uh, there's only one time in the New Testament that the word pastor is used and in the Greek it's just the word shepherd 
even our word pastor, you think about it, um, English word pastor, what does it sound like? Right? If somebody lives a, a, a shepherd, I mean, if you go to a village, it's all sheep herders. What do they call it? A pastoral lifestyle. Um, that just comes from the Latin word for, for shepherd. So even in the original Greek, it just means shepherd. There's just shepherd, shepherd, shepherd. An overseer is a shepherd, and he's a shepherd under the chief shepherd. Peter talks about this, that, that we all will give an account to the chief shepherd. So the under shepherds, the lower shepherds, they have to treat the sheep right, because if they don't, they have to answer to big shepherd. And if they don't act like a real shepherd, and if they don't, they don't carry his heart to the people, and they don't, they don't carry his love, and they don't, they don't take care like he would take care, then they have to answer to him. He says, why don't you take care of my sheep? And that's not a conversation I want to have. But he talks about hirelings. There's, there's folks, sure, that, that get into it for the, for the job. I mean, if you've got somebody that takes a role, I don't care if it's a youth pastor, worship pastor, senior pastor, whatever it is, they do it for a paycheck. When things get hard, they'll go away. When the, when the, when the attendance starts going down or, or when they start getting attacked or when people start talking bad about them, they'll run away because they were just there for a paycheck. But somebody that's really called by the chief shepherd, they'll stay when it gets hard. They'll stay when everybody else runs away. They'll lay their life down just like Jesus did for us. This is what he said. He says, I'm the chief shepherd. He says, the one who's a hired hand, he's a hired hand. He's not a shepherd. He's just a hired hand. And he flees. He's not the owner of the sheep, so he has no vested interest in it. So really, he's talking about all these guys that came before me. They did not, I mean, you weren't their sheep. They came to get something from you, not give something to you. Think about that. Scripture talks about false apostles. And he says, false apostles, he says, they come to get something from you. They bite you, they devour you, they beat you. They want something from you. They don't want something for you. They want something from you. And, and even the people that came before Jesus... They wanted a following for their own benefit. I don't know if it was their own delusions of grandeur, their own sense of power, the money that came from it, the honor that came from it. Either way, they were thieves, they were robbers, in some cases they were hirelings. And the reason they didn't care, the reason they ran away, was because these aren't my people. I mean, as long as they're giving me something, I'm here for them. But the minute it starts to get hard, I'm running away because I don't care what happens to them. And Jesus says, that's not me. I've shepherded you. I've known you. I've loved you. You're my sheep. And I've known you since the beginning of time. I will create. I was there when you were created. I knew you before you were born. So think about this. He goes, I am not going to run away because I'm the owner of the sheep. You've got to know as a believer that he is your shepherd. But he's not just some guy that's looking after you because it's his job. He cares more than you care about yourself. He has more of a vested interest in your life than you do. So he's not running away. He's not skipping town. He's going to stick it up. And that's good news. That's really good news. Because there's times when it gets hard and you go, I'd run away if I were him. But he won't. He won't run away. Says So when, when the hireling flees, here's what happens. And it was still in verse 12. He sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. He's like, it's not worth me dying. 
And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. He says again, here he goes again, I am the good shepherd and I know my own. And listen to this, my own follow me. My own will follow me. Even as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. Oh, who's he talking about? That's us. I, mean, I don't see any Jewish people here. Maybe, you, maybe you're part Jewish, I don't know. But we're, we're part of that group, that Gentile group, the other sheep. He goes, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Because right now he's just talking to Jewish people. And I love what he says. He says, I have other sheep of the, that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will hear my voice. And they will become one flock with one shepherd. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it cool to know Jesus was talking about you? That he was referring to you? That he knew us? He was looking forward to the day when we'd be part of that flock. He says, I've got other sheep that aren't of this fold, but I'm going to bring them in. And of of course, this is making people nervous because part of the, 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 the joy, there might not be a, a lot of joy of being a Hebrew person at the time. You're in, being mistreated by the Romans, looked down on, and, and uh, you're not, you haven't been your own nation for, for centuries. And, you know, it, it might have been a hard time. But one proud thing they had is, well, we're God's chosen people, and they're not. Now, it should have been Thank God we're His chosen people. Oh, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. But instead it was, bah, we're God's chosen people and they're not, so that makes us better. And as a believer, you could fall into the same trap. Thank God we're not like them. Those dirty, smelly people out there. We're in here. But He says, I've got other sheep that aren't of this fold and I must bring them in also. And they will be one flock with one shepherd. So here we sit. Part of the same flock as those in Israel. Part of the same flock as those in China. Part of the same flock as those in Africa. We are one flock with one shepherd. And it's a good flock. And there's more to come, right? He says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. This is the shepherd. He is our good shepherd. The way we follow Him, there's only one way to follow Him, and that is to hear and know His voice. Let's go to Psalm 23, and we'll see some of the things that uh, He says about, uh, that God says through David about Himself. Very, very familiar. In fact, if the world would know one psalm, it's Psalm 23. You probably hear it at funerals. Um, there was a time when if you were a, a good stage actor, you'd know how to recite this just right. I mean, it was one of the things they learned. Um, you know, to give a monologue, you'd learn Psalm 23. So it's not like that anymore, but it, there was a time. So it's really well-known psalm. But you think about this. David started out as a shepherd, right? But he's now a king. He's a warrior. A lot of us start out at some level, and we spend all of our time trying to get away from that, proving that we're not that person anymore. We're more refined, we're more dignified, we're 
We have more authority now. It's funny to me that David, as a king, doesn't say the Lord is my, my king. He doesn't say, as a warrior, he doesn't say the Lord is my commander. As a musician, he doesn't say the Lord is my inspiration. He speaks as a sheep, which is not a very dignified thing for a king to talk about himself like a sheep. Sheep were not the most... I mean, you needed sheep, but you didn't look up to them. People listen to the... You know, we're talking about the lion of the tribe of Judah. I can get behind that. The sheep, really? That's not exciting. (laughs) But David is not concerned about how he sounds to everyone else. He says this, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is not just the shepherd, he's my shepherd. I shall not want, that means, that doesn't mean I shall never have a desire again. It means I'll never do without anything. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know what it takes to get a sheep to lie down? Have you ever paid attention to sheep? They don't just lie down everywhere. If they're the slightest bit afraid or, or nervous about something, they don't lie down. For a sheep to lie down, he's secure. Or just downright exhausted. In this case, secure. He leads me beside quiet waters. So where you're really going to find peace, where you're really going to find what you're looking for, you can't get there on your own. Everybody's looking for quiet waters. Everybody wants quiet waters. Everybody will spend... Guys, people will spend a thousand... $2,000 to go to a conference to try to figure out how to get to quiet waters. The only way to get there is to be led to the quiet waters. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. Listen to this. For His namesake. Isn't that awesome? Ah, Jehovah-Rohi, the Lord our shepherd, guides us in paths of righteousness, not for us, but for Him. Doesn't that make it a lot better? Doesn't that make it a lot easier? Doesn't that take some pressure off yourself to know that the reason God is here for me, the reason God stands for me, the reason God is my righteousness, the reason God protects me is not for me but for Him? That's that's awesome. That He's just not saying, well, I'm doing this for you. Because if it's for you, then you can lose the privilege. But if it's for His sake, then you can take security in that. He says, for His name's sake, even though I walk through the valley... Of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. The rains in Israel would normally end around February, wouldn't start up till about November. So, the areas you'd have them in the rainy season, you wouldn't keep the sheep there during the, the dry season, or else it'd just be too dry. So, they take them up upland to what what people call the tablelands. And in order to get there, you have to go through some pretty shady valleys where there are a lot of wolves, there are a lot of scavengers. You have to take them from one pasture area to another one. So this may not have been the, the way they went every day, but at, once a year they'd take a summer journey and they'd go up to higher pastures where there, was, where there was more moisture, where there was more water. And so you think during that dry season, 
They take that trip. Can you imagine how terrifying it would be if you knew what was in the shadows? You're in the shadow of the valley, the valley of the shadow of death. There are predators. There are not just animal predators. There are human predators that, that learn, hey, if I want to steal something, I mean, these aren't the high-class criminals that are going after diamonds. These are the ones that are stealing sheep. But still, if I want to do it, I do it here. And it says, these sheep, even though there's wolves, there's robbers, there's thieves, they said, I fear no evil. He says, I'm not, he doesn't say I'm less afraid of evil. I'm more encouraged than normal. I fear no evil. There's not one bit of evil that I'm afraid of. Can you say that this morning? Can you say that in your own life? Or are there little side things that you've, you've held and said, but it's normal for me to be afraid of that. He says, I fear no evil. There's not one thing I'm afraid of. Why? For you are with me. This is all about being with him. I love, he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod was like a club, right? He's not clubbing the sheep with that. They would not survive too well with that. The staff was what he kept the sheep on, on track with, right? The staff often had a little hook on it and it, it, some of them didn't, but you know, if they didn't, you just kind of knock them, kind of tap them so they go the right direction. But some of them had a little crook on it, so if they started to go the wrong way, you just kind of give them the old, like old vaudeville act when you some the hook comes off the stage and drags somebody off. You know, sometimes you do that for the sheep and bring them back on. But why does the rod comfort me? Do you think at night, you know, he's got a club, maybe some spikes on it, and at night he's just combing their hair with it? You think that's why it comforts them? Or do you think it comforts him to know that my shepherd's got a big club that if a wolf comes, he hits him right in the nose? That's comforting to me. If we were to put it in modern day language, maybe, maybe Eric's dog would say, your leash and your firearm, they comfort me, you know? Because <laughs> I know if something comes that I can't handle, you can handle it. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? Because he is my shepherd. We have to learn to be shepherded. We have to allow ourselves to be shepherded. Because in this chapter, we see that the only way to get to quiet waters is to be led there. The only way to go through the shadow of death is if He's with you or else you're really in trouble. We have grown up in an awesome country, in an awesome continent. But let's not get too addicted to the idea of freedom or independence. Jesus did die for our freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He did not die for your independence. Independence means I don't need anyone else. I just need me. And we've grown up. I mean, I I remember in school, you know, when I was in school, they were starting this, but it's like gone on steroids now. Where, where, I mean, I I remember one school, they, they, they taught the kids, I am special, I am special, look at me. Look at me. And you wonder why you have problems later in life. <laughs> you know? <laughs> why aren't you looking at me? I'm special. 
I'm going to light this thing on fire. I'm going to light it on fire if you don't look at me. You know, maybe it didn't go to that extreme. You've got a bunch of kids that are totally feeling entitled. I mean, you need to know you're unique. You need to know you're wonderfully made. You need to know God's got a plan for your life. But you also need to know, I can't do it on my own. And I need to give up the idea of saying, well, well it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, I'm just going to go the way that feels right for me. You know what? Sometimes the sheep doesn't know why we're walking this way. You know, I believe in a God that's able to reveal to you things, that's able to give you wisdom, the knowledge of His will. But sometimes you hear the explanation after you've already got there. When your kid's playing in the road, and they're playing tic-tac-toe with sidewalk chalk in the middle of the road, and you see cars coming, you don't go, okay, now's a good time to explain to them why that's a bad idea. You just yell and say, get off the road! You don't go and go, okay, um, I want you to grow up knowing I have a reason for everything, so... Um, you know, I just, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about your choices and your decisions. I mean, I want you to make your own, but uh, there is a car coming. It's a lot closer now than when I started talking. And, um, and oh, well, it's too late now. Now, you, you can save the explanation for later, right? And uh, think about it. There's some things your kids won't understand until they're, they're a little bit older. There's some things you know you know it's a bad idea. You know they can't do it. And they go, why, why, why? And sometimes you have to say, you'll know. You'll understand it later. You don't understand it now, but you will understand it. Now, as my mother told you last week, I didn't always want to hear that because I was a student. All right, so that's my excuse. <laughs> I was always asking why because I, d I really did want to know why. But sometimes you just have to say, you'll know later. You'll understand it later. And sometimes God says, first follow. Follow me first. If you'll know my voice, and I tell you this, you may not understand why right away, but do it. Just do it. Just follow him because you can trust him, right? You know, no matter what he says, see, he'll teach you as a disciple so that you'll know. He'll teach you his ways. He'll show you what he was doing. But you know what? That's not why we follow him. We don't follow him because he makes sense. We follow him because he's a shepherd. He does make sense. But sometimes your brain's got to catch up to him. You'll never fully catch up. That's the thing. You know, we always, uh, even, even in modern um, uh, Christian books, Christian sermons, we, we spend a lot of time trying to convince people and show people psychological studies why God is right when He says this. And then we believe, oh, I see why He says that. Okay, then I'll obey. That's the wrong order, guys. God wants you to know why He said something. But first, just say yes. Just say yes. What if the sheep went, well, but why are we going through the valley of the shadow of death? That seems, if it were me, I'd never go through the valley of the shadow of death because there's death, dude. It's called the valley of the shadow of death. Obviously, that's not the way to go. Just follow him. He knows that it's going to get dry here. He knows that if you don't move now, you won't have food tomorrow. But you, the sheep don't know that. They may figure that out later. Go, oh, here's where the pasture was. I get why we came this way. But the first thing you've got to do is say, yeah, I'll, I'll follow you. I know your voice. I'm going to follow it. 1 Peter 2 says, "All, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. It says, but now we have returned to the shepherd and the guardian, or in literal Greek, the bishop, 
the shepherd and the bishop of our soul. Think about that. He is our real shepherd. He is our real guardian. He's the one who really cares. But that, that verse is coming from Isaiah 53, which says the same thing. All we like sheep have gone astray. But it says this. Here's the rest of the verse. Each one after his own way. And then it says, But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us, us, of us all to fall on Him. What is that saying to you? Our iniquity, our sin, our mess-ups, our problems are a result of us going our own way. All we like sheep have gone astray, each one after his own way. This is the spirit of the time. This is the culture that we live in. Just do what you think is right. Everyone do your own thing. Everyone follow your own truth. Everyone go the way that feels right to you. But that is not the way. The shepherd knows the way. And he loves the sheep. Oh man, he loves you more than you can know. He loves the world more than they can know. But let's give up this stupid idea that we just have to do what's unique and just follow Him. You don't have to dress like me. I don't care how you dress. I don't care what your accent is. I don't care what kind of music you like. Those aren't the things that matter. You don't need to follow me. You need to follow the shepherd. Jesus didn't dress in a suit. So I'm not concerned about that. You don't have to go, well, we're all supposed to look the same. We're all supposed to act the same. You will be unique. But we will also be one flock with one shepherd. And that one flock has got totally unique, awesome people with different gifts. And one's an eye and one's a nose and one's, one's an ear. But we're all part of the same body going the same way. You can't have your nose wanting to go that way and your eye wanting to go that way. We're going to have issues. You can't run a race with one leg going north and one going south. These aren't things that work. So what do you do? We follow the shepherd and his voice leads us where we go. A stranger we simply will not follow because we don't know his voice. What am I getting at this morning? What's the main point here that we're trying to see? The main point, guys, is everything you're looking for. Every place you need to be in life, everywhere you have to go, you're going to be led there. I believe in the voice of God speaking to everyday people who will listen. I believe in the voice of the Spirit leading us through everyday life just in the same way that Jesus led the disciples and they followed the back of His head wherever He went. In that same way, He left His Spirit for you to follow. And you follow that Spirit. And you know where it is. And guys, you're going to have to give up the idea that I'm going to understand everything before I do it. Sometimes... God tells people to spit in the dirt and rub it in somebody's eye. That's what Jesus did. I'm not going to say that He's going to tell you to do that. I'm just saying that's what He did. Now imagine if He said, I don't do anything unless the Father tells me to do it. I don't, do, I don't say anything unless the Father says it. So when the Father gives the order down for Him to spit in the dirt and rub it in somebody's eye, that's a tough thing to do just did it. What about Peter? Peter and John go to the gate called Beautiful. There's a man. He's lame. Lame since birth. He wants money. They don't have money. Jesus says, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. But Peter does something else. Because Peter is not just doing what he thinks he should do. 
he's hearing the voice of the shepherd. And what the shepherd says is something that goes from, to, from the next level to the next level of not just praying for somebody, but really putting yourself out there in faith. And what the shepherd tells him to do is to grab the man's hand and yank him up on his feet. And I've said this before, but think about what happens if that lame man doesn't walk. Right? Because if you're thinking about your own way and you're trying to judge by yourself, if this makes sense, it doesn't make sense for you to grab a man by the arm who, who can't walk. If he doesn't start walking when he hits the ground, you're going to look like a big, I mean, just a huge jerk. Because you just yanked a man and threw him across the room. And that's not fun. But Peter did what God told him to do. And the man walked. So we have to give up the idea that you're always going to get it. And you're always going to understand. I'll, I'll wait. When God explains it to me, then I'll do it. No, when God speaks to you, then you do it. And then you'll get the revelation on it. Sometimes you get it a year later. You get it two years later. Oh, I understand now. Sometimes once you're in the pasture, you're right next to the quiet waters. You go, oh, okay, that's why we did this. But we've got to train ourselves to hear that voice. And when he speaks, we follow. No matter what it is, we follow. It's such a great place to live, isn't it? I mean, God has got quiet pastures for you. He's got still waters. He's going to be able to make you lie down. When everybody else is too freaked out and scared to lie down, you'll lie down. He, I mean, think about it. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Now, David's enemies were not just people gossiping about him. David had enemies with pointy sticks. Can you imagine? Now's a good time to have dinner. Now's a good time to sit down and eat in the presence of your enemies. But he's not. he says, I fear no evil because you are with me. But think about this. God is not with David because God follows David wherever he goes. God is with David because David follows God. You've got to learn that. We say, God, here's where I'm going. Now bless me where I'm going. God, be with me. Yes, he will be with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. But don't get it backwards. Follow him, not the other way around. Because the shepherd's got the best path for you. He's got the best life. He's got the best for you. You may not understand why it's the best until you get to the point He's taking you to. I'm asking for us to be people that trust Him more than we trust our own brains, more than we trust any book, more than we trust anybody else, any other voice. We know His voice. If you're anything like me, that means rearranging your schedule to learn His voice. That means... That every other voice that speaks to you needs to be speaking to you less than the voice of the shepherd because you need to know his voice. Then, when you know his voice and you hear another voice, you're not going to go off on a wacky trail. If all of you... I mean, I'm talking about people that have been here for a while and you've been trained up, you know the Word, you're, you're filled with the Spirit, and you, you, you know, you know what's, what's up from down, you know what's left from right. If, if there was somebody to come in here and preach a gospel contrary to the gospel that the Scripture preaches, they, they came in here and preached another message, you guys wouldn't listen, would you? That you might be polite, you might smile and shake the man's hand, but you wouldn't listen to what he had to say. Why? Because a stranger's voice, they simply will not follow. 
or sorry, it says actually, literally, it says a stranger. They simply will not follow because they do not know his voice. So what's the voice that's speaking to you most? Guys, I believe in, I, I, I don't just read my Bible. I read a lot of other books. But I've got to read my Bible more than I read anything else. I watch things. I listen to things. But I've got to listen to the voice of the shepherd more than I listen to anything else. I have good friends. But I've got to spend more time with Jesus than I spend with anybody else. Because I've got to know his voice. Because he's a good shepherd. And there's a lot of voices talking to you this, I mean, just everywhere all the time. And they're going to tell you things that seem right. But remember what happens when everyone goes his own way. In the days of Noah, it says, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It, it doesn't say everyone did what was wrong because they could get away with it. It says they did what was right in their own eyes. In other words, they thought they were doing the right thing. Isn't that freaky? To know that in the days of Noah, the most wicked time that God had to destroy the earth, that people were doing what they thought was the right thing to do? See, I've always pictured people going, ha, 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 I can get away with this, no one's looking. But the truth is, people did what they thought was the right thing but it wasn't what God told them to do. And you can justify anything. I've heard people justify murder. I've heard people justify rape. I've heard people justify pretty much anything they want to justify. Our compass in this life, our hope in this life, our protection in this life, our shelter in this life, our refuge, our fortress, our strength, our light is in Him. You are of the day. You guys are people of the day. This is good news. You can know where you're going. You're not slaves anymore. You're friends, your sons, your daughters. You can know what the Master is doing. You can know His will. You can follow His voice. You can see the sick healed. You can see the lame walk. You can see those who've been oppressed free. If we'll just follow. And his, his life that he's offering us is the real deal. There's a lot of fake pastures. There's a lot of waters that seem good, but when you start to drink them, you realize they're not good. What he leads you to is perfect. Praise God. What a good God. Amen. Can we stand up? Ah, the good shepherd. Your soul is meant to be shepherded. Will you allow yourself to be shepherded? Can you allow yourself to be kept can we put down our pride for enough to let somebody else tell us what to do there's the issue isn't it can we let someone else tell us what to do because if you do you're in for a ride of your life you're in for his his life if we'll surrender our will to his there's no better way to go there's no better life to live there's no more exciting life to live. You know what? He loves you more than you love yourself. The shepherd loves the sheep more than the sheep love themselves. So it's easy to trust that, isn't it? Because he's never going to send me on a suicide mission. He's never going to send me somewhere. He's never going to sacrifice me for just, just so he can have a couple others better off. He loves you each individually. And beyond your comprehension. If you'll trust that. If you'll trust that.
before we do anything else, is there anybody here this morning that has not yet given your life over to the shepherd?